Let's go to Matthew 24. As we mentioned two weeks ago when we were last in Matthew, we looked at the Lord's ministry. It began with a sermon. What was the sermon called? The, the Lord's Sermon on the Mount and uh, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5 to 7. His ministry is now ending with another sermon. And what's this one called in Matthew 24? The Olivet Discourse, yes. The, the one, another mountain. The Lord likes the mountains. It's uh, different things he did on mountains, isn't it? <laughs> Revealed himself and his glory to his disciples and other things. It'd be, maybe there's a sermon, uh, three points at least there. <laughs> ministry on the mountain. <laughs> um, but here... We continue in our study, the Olivet Discourse, the predictions of the temple's destruction we saw last time, the prophecies of the tribulation delineated, and we started into this and be looking at that for a while, the prophecies of the tribulation, they're delineated, the attempted deception of the world, and that's what we're looking at in verses 4 to 14. What do we see happening today? Isn't that the very thing? Satan trying to deceive the world with all the isms. And we looked up some of those last week. We'll look up some more this week. It's, uh, they're different batches that we look at this week. And so we notice the, uh, the problems of that, that time in verses 4 to 8. There's apostasy, there's national disasters, there's wars, there's nations rising against nations. So there's national disasters up to verse, the middle of verse 7 in deceptive creeds and dreadful conflicts that take place. And then there's natural disasters. Not only national, but natural. Famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. What happens after a while as you hear, ah, oh, another one, ah, oh, another one. And it's almost like that with the last Indonesian one. You know, they started just saying a few hundred killed. There's not a few hundred, a few thousand. And there's... Thousands have just gone missing, just swallowed up literally by the mud and the villages and the landslides that just shook, 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 shook until it just jellied and they went down. Everything went down. Buildings, everything went down. Anything near the coast went down. And they just shocked at how much had happened. And these things are becoming commonplace and they will more and more so because the scripture says so. I pr praise the Lord, we live in a so far, geologically stable place <laughs> in, in Australia. They said it stopped shaking long ago, but the Lord, make, <laughs> the Lord can change that, can't he? And so natural disasters. And then we, we come to the next point, persecutions of that time. We've seen the problems of the time and these national and natural disasters. Now the persecutions of that time. Verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And shall be, ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations, and then shall the end come. As we're reading through that, did you pick up some things, <laughs> some <laughs> alerts? <laughs> I, 
you can as you just think about. For instance, some preach the gospel of the kingdom. They say that's for today. No. Uh-uh. Get it in its context. We have the gospel of the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody gets saved through his shed blood. But we're not preaching. Well, we do say, but we don't preach the kingdom come. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what they did in the early ministry of the Lord. He sent them out two by two. That's what they'll do in the tribulation. And it'll be preached in all the world. And if you don't get that right, then you mess up everything else. You can get eternal insecurity from, from, from that thought in, the, in these verses. So there's some things here that we need to be aware of. Let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us through. Thank you, Lord, for the precious word of God that gives us hope in a time of chaos. When spiritual things are being misinterpreted, Lord, misapplied. Oh, Lord, give us wisdom to rightly divide the word of truth. Not because we have a preconceived idea of what it should say, but because it speaks to us and tells us. Thank you for the word that tells us how to live and these precious truths of the word. And, Lord, we can have confidence. And, Lord, we can, we're not ashamed of the word of God that we can share with others with confidence because we know and have studied the word. Bless the word to each one here tonight and those listening in. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so persecutions of that time. And there's, first of all, those that are marked by terror in verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and you sh and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. When you read that in its context, chapter 24, remember, back to the question of the disciples. As the, the disciples showed him the buildings, he said, all this is going to be thrown down, and then and he said upon Mount Olives, the disciples come to him privately, saying, tell us when these things shall be, and... What shall be the sign of thy coming? He's answering that question. What shall be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And to the disciples, the coming of the Lord is to do with the Jewish people. They were Jewish. The church hadn't yet started. And so he's, he's ministering to them and answering this question to them. So <clears throat> there's going to be persecutions that are marked by terror. And uh, <laughs> what do we hear about Lot today? Terrorism. I don't know if they're using it to scare people and to get things get things through governments to to control the people. Um, we've got some crack hit squads too in Australia, and we've had not a lot of attacks, but we've had a lot of other people die from other means too. I don't know. What about um, domestic problems and killing of wives, my husbands, out of control? A lot more of them dying than people from terrorist-related activity, but. Yeah, you can see that terror is has been is it on the increase and will be on the increase even more so as the time moves for time moves forward. Savage persecutions and terror, yes, have arisen in the twenty and twenty first century, not known before. The sophistication by which they can do these things and some of the simple methods they can use, phones to trigger things. Yeah, every day you hear of a terrorist activity 
Afghanistan is a place you wouldn't want to be around in a popular pay, whereas a lot of people, in, especially around policemen and things like that, they seem to let these bombs off that are in, in sewers or in, in underground things under the road, the culverts of the road. They just wait for the person right, and they can do these things. It's, aren't you glad we do live in a society that has control on these things so far? Um, <clears throat> sophisticated weaponry, genocide of millions of people is occurring. Six million Jews barbarically killed along with Christians and others that wouldn't go along with the state. Communists murdering anyone who stands in their way of domination. And that is when you think of the communist countries and the way they've reverted back to their old ways of recent decade, then that, that concerns one. But as a Christian, it doesn't because we know where it's headed. We know where we're going as well. Huh. And um, I read an article from Friends of Israel here back in um, May, June, I think it was, this article. Christian persecution is the worst it has ever been. We go, <gasps> at Fox's Book of Martyrs. But it's said that it's worse now than it's ever been in our generation. We don't see nor hear much about it. And according to a recent study by Christian Persecution Watchdog, Aid to the Church in Need is what's called ACN. In terms of the numbers of people involved, the gravity of the crimes committed and their impact, it is clear that the persecution of Christians is today worse than at any time in history. Not only are Christians more persecuted than any other faith group, but ever-increasing numbers are experiencing the very worst forms of persecution, they reported. Today, more than 200 million Christians in 60 countries experience Imprisonment, torture, and death for their faith. You see, we have 7 billion people in the world, 200 million. <laughs> Population of Australia, 25 million. One, two, eight times that. Are experiencing torture, death, and imprisonment. The nation in which Christians experience the worst treatment is North Korea, which ranked number Number one for the 17th, 17th year in a row. Open Door's most recent list of countries where Christians are persecuted listed that. And they said, Christianity is not only seen as an opium of the people, as is normal for all communist states, it is also seen as deeply Western and despicable to those states. Christians try to hide their faith as far as possible to avoid arrest and being sent to a labour camp. Open Doors reported, North Korean Christians face horrors such as being hung on crosses over fire, forced into labour camps, crushed under steamrollers, imprisoned, herded off bridges, trampled underfoot while we live here in freedom. In such Middle Eastern countries as Iraq, Syria and Egypt and Pakistan, Christians face daily torment from Muslims enforcing Islamic Shiara law which calls for jihad or war against non-Muslims. Christians in these countries suffer under heavy taxation, imprisonment, torture and beheading. In Iraq and Syria, ISIS, as we know them, has almost completely obliterated the areas Christians populated, or the areas Christian population. Christian persecution is nothing new. Though the number of believers affected is higher than ever, Christians have faced persecution since the birth of the church under wicked emperors Nero and Diocletian 
Early church Christians were stoned to death, crucified, burned at the stake, torn apart by wild animals, sawn in two, skinned alive and more. Jesus' words to the persecuted church in Smyrna in the book of Revelation chapter 2 encouraged many early believers to endure and they continue to provide hope to persecuted Christians today. Be faithful unto death, it says, and I will give you a crown of life, Revelation 2.10. The crown of life is specially a special heavenly reward, reward the Lord will give to those who endure persecution. Despite persecution, however, the church continues to grow. There are hundreds of thousands of Christian converts from Islam in, in, in Iran's underground churches. Up from only 500 in 1979, more than 60 million Protestant believers in communist China, despite growing government hostility, and destruction of churches and more than 200,000 evangelical Christians in Somalia which ranks third in open doors in 2018 and the watch list and they talk about that you know, see what the Bible says is true this is increasing this is our brothers and sisters in the Lord now when some of those organizations, organizations say Christian you have to understand that they may not be of the faith that we have but they are people being persecuted for what they believe in. And so we ought to pray for those in such a state. And this is what we find here today leading up to something that's going to be worse. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Iraq and Syria, as we've just mentioned, displacement of millions of Sunni Muslims by the Shiite Muslims. Russia using all her force in a country like that to, to kick them out and be on the side of Assad along with Iran. And so millions of people, as they've uh, said, even the un unsaved people are saying, look, they're, and they're pleading for people to help with these, how would you like it if in three minutes you had to get out of your home, get out of your country and run? Well, what would you do? You don't know who to rely on, you don't know who to trust, and you're on the road with your family. It is pretty tough, isn't it, when you think of these sort of things happening. If you're not a Christian and these things are happening, if you're, you know, if you're a Shiite Muslim, you have to run from the Sunnis. You, you, what hope have, has one got? People need the Lord, don't they? The Holocaust of the tribulation that we're looking at, leading up to in this portion of Scripture, will eclipse all prior persecutions. This is the lead into it. The bloodbath will be universal in scope, ruthless in character, deliberate in purpose, and heartless in operation, because it has at the head of it the old devil. And he doesn't care who he kills. And he wants them dead before they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, does he not? He doesn't want them to hear the gospel, the message of salvation. And so <clears throat> you see the, those that are marked by terror in verse 9, those that are marked, secondly, by treachery in verse 10 then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another notice that words offend the, the words offend betray and hate neighbors friends and family will be practicing these horrible things toward one another we have even today what is called honor killings where fathers will and uncles and that will kill a niece or a daughter because they won't do 
I mean, Christians don't do that sort of thing, don't even think that sort of thing. We pray for those that go astray, but we don't go killing them, committing murder. How would you want to, how could you do that as a person even to your own flesh and blood? This is treachery, is it not? And this is going to increase. And this is going to increase as we look at, in its context, amongst the Jews. This is where it's speaking of these. Then shall they deliver you, talking to the disciples, up to be afflicted and kill you and be hated of all nations for my name's sake. They, the Jews, will be hated and believers will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many offend and betray one another. I don't think if you've been betrayed by those close to you, unless you've been betrayed, what it, it, you, you don't know what it's like until it happens. Being betrayed by somebody that you once trusted and loved and worked with or as a family member, it hurts and hurts deeply. It's very grievous. It, you, you, you don't like losing her, but you're gutted. You're gutted when somebody betrays you and goes back on their word and it's marked by treachery leading up to it and into this time that we're looking at beginning to look at now and so we've seen the problems of that time two weeks ago the persecutions of that time and now the prophets of that time verse 11 many sh and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many false prophets notice their number in verse 11 how many <laughs> well as I say it says many doesn't it We've already have a increase in number of these today. <clears throat> They're only going to increase in number, <laughs> more so than today. Uh, <clears throat> let's look at a couple of these that we didn't look at last time. I divided them up into two groups. The one two weeks ago, the group, and this group. Second Peter chapter two, verses one and two. Second Peter two, one and two. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many, not only increase in number, many, whole groups of them and, and different sorts of them shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Tell me some of these many today. Some of these that are here, false teachers, among you privily bring in damnable heresies. What's a damnable heresy? Something contrary to the Bible? Something contrary to the Scripture? What's something contrary to the Scripture that many people are being, well, damned from them as they follow them as we look, look at in other, like in Matthew earlier? Work for your salvation is the biggest one probably of most religions, is, is it not? We can work our way to heaven. It's all okay. You know, just give a bit more. Pay a bit more. Get them out of purgatory. And I think it's referring right to that because the Catholic religion covers how many people in the world? <coughs> 1.2 billion people. And these, these are being deceived, and I say some of them, if they read the word for themselves, can understand what they need to do to get saved. But these privily shall bring in these heresies. And this has been going on for years, but as it increases and gets toward the end, it's going to get worse and worse. If we go to other portions of Scripture that 
that talk about these false prophets that are many and increasing in number. We go to Second Peter 3, verse 16 and 18, where we read this. 3, 16 and 18. But all, also in all his epistles, he's speaking of Paul, speaking in them of things which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. It's like wrestle, <laughs> rest it. It's not they don't take it up, as they do other scriptures. See, if you if you get off in one point, if you you misinterpret in one section, you'll do it to others as well, and that's an argument for those that start teaching heresy. And I've seen it. You see, they start. And, and when these people start, like Charles Taze Russell, like Alan G. White, like when they start, mm, yeah, that's sort of plausible. And you listen, give an ear to it for a while, and, and then you start believing it, and, and you go 100 years or 200 years away from it and see what, it, what, what comes from it. And you see a whole movement that can come from somebody with a, a strange idea that's not biblical and confuse and confound and condemn the whole, the whole group. <laughs> and it's dangerous to... And, and here Paul, Peter said about Paul, there's some things hard to be understood, but get to understand them. <laughs> Don't discard them. Where your children and their children and their children's children will end up will depend on a decision you make now to stick with the truth of the word of God, interpret it literally, take it in its context... Do it grammatically, word by word if need be, as they do other scriptures to their own what? Destruction. These things are here. <laughs> it's not like they're coming. They are here and they'll increase only in number. If you go over to Jude, just over a bit, to Jude verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. <laughs> if they come in here... It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Most times. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes they'll agree with you. So, yep, yep, yep. Interview them with the deacons and the pastor. Yep. All the answers are right. A few years later, they start revealing themselves. And had one, one family, I could say family, that said after they left, we're amazed that we got in. <laughs> and I thought, well, what else do they believe that we don't believe? You see, they can get in, privately, privately sneaking in, certain crept in. Now, if you're creeping into a house, <laughs> what does the owner need to do? On guard. Mm, chase you out with a big stick or better. <laughs> you, you don't let a thief come in. <laughs> who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. There gives a hint about what, what Jude was talking about. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, they're doing what Paul talked about there, that they were saying, well, if we can get forgiven for any sin we do, let's just do it and the grace of God will be more effectual toward us. And Paul said, shall, yeah, shall we sin? God forbid. <laughs> Turning that into lasciviousness. They're, they're, they're just doing what they please and want to do. And they're doing that under the guise of the grace of God. And there's books being printed about this. <laughs> Sneaking in. 
and they're coming in and they come in, they, they sell them to good churches as well as liberal churches and apostate churches. Denying the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's a work salvation thing. They, they, they're going to work their way in there. Um, let's go to another one. In, uh, back to First John chapter 4 and verse 1. Hey, why does the Bible talk so much about this? To make us aware. The early church as well as us 2,000 years later. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. When they start creeping in and sneaking in, whether they be of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Um, <clears throat> I'll be referring to, uh, not tonight, but uh, when we did church history there to, not this year, the year before with Pastor Hine, he did a summary of it, and it's colour-coded. It's been a lot of time put into it to summarise the year's work. And it's got all, you know, different ones, false ones from way back. They're in, I think, red. Good ones are in green uh, and blue and events and people and movements. And if you've got that, keep it. Um, there's only a few copies made of it. And I don't think Pastor Hine copyrighted it, so we'll make more copies if you want one. <laughs> it, it's the one without the cover. If you're in church history, you, you, you've still got it. Don't, don't throw it away. There's some good things to, to look there and, and see what these, how these things have developed. And uh, I'm just reading the dispute or the refutation of tongues that John E. Cobb has done. There's a book out there on that. It's worth reading through and, and looking at it and seeing where the people of old the people back when it happened when it stopped happening and how that even tried to get going again around 400 AD and how he was against everybody this guy and how they had these and John E. Cobb comes to the conclusion that it's witchery <laughs> it, what they were doing and what they are doing now is nothing short of sorcery. And that's dangerous. And that's crept into all the churches. Hey, Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, anyone has come in. And it is a great deception happening. Uh, <clears throat> faithful prophets <laughs> we need, but false prophets are here. And one more, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. <clears throat> the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Fables don't save. <laughs> fables condemn. And these people here brought many to condemnation in the Lord's day where, where, where Peter was living and they have for millennia you get to, get to eternity and on judgment day the great white throne judgment those people that have led these, these false doctrines and prom promoted them and pushed them forward with their own will their own desire to make themselves important who was I talking to after the morning service about the people that are plugging away at, in the radio no, television, I think it is. And they're pleading for money. And if, if you give, God will double it. And God will, God will triple it. Just give to me and God will double it. 
Jeff. Yeah, it was Jeff. <laughs> That's right. The, the prosperity gospel. And, and it's just wicked. And it goes on. Not, and all they do is preach that. Like, you want to get blessed? Give to me and you'll get blessed. And who are you, we ask? <laughs> A false prophet. Get blessed by whom? And, and, and as they, and it's said <laughs> that they drive around in the best of the cars. What was the one you heard, Brother Jeff? It was... Okay, that's it. Yeah, right. Uh, hey, yeah. <laughs> Let's start a fund for the what? Seven million dollar jet for the pastor? Yeah. I'll better get a license. I'm too old. <laughs> Say? <laughs> when, when? Yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> yeah, is it? What is it called? Yeah, okay, they're using... It's based upon false... Yeah, yep. Well, they do, they use the Bible, don't they? Like, yeah, you multiply your seed so in. And yet... Well, you know... <clears throat> yeah, when they... I was going, when they stand before the Lord on the great white throne judgment, not the beamer seat, because they're not Christians, and they have to give an answer to all those people gazing at them that they've led to hell because they thought they were doing something for a good man, a righteous cause. What is it going to be like in that day? Aren't you glad there's a, there's a tally one day? <laughs> there's a judgment one day where all these things, every idle word will be brought to account. Praise the Lord that he is a just, merciful, loving, <laughs> righteous God. Okay. <clears throat> well... So much for the evil prophets. Their number are many, their nature, in verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. <laughs> their nature. They cause iniquity to abound. They multiply the problems in the world. They don't help the morals of the world. They don't, have the peop they don't help the people. They help themselves. They put down people. Iniquity abounds. The words that they use, the dress that they use, the boldness and brashness by which they present themselves, their behavior, their attitude and their manners is all wrong. That's just looking at their nature. Iniquity shall abound when these people multiply. Of course it will. And any wonder governments have to crack down and then it has that bad effect on those that are doing the right thing that governments crack down and get onto the good people too. Why do we have to have all these things with child, uh, the insurance, Glenn? <laughs> Trying to find an insurance company that insure you now. Without all the paraphernalia, they won't go through. And all the details I want about everybody and everyone and what they're eating for breakfast. Why do we have them? Because somebody has done the wrong thing. And most likely an non-believing religious person in a position of authority. I've got to go and give a police check for the ministering in the UPA, United Protestants Association. I've been in twice. And the wrong, 
the people haven't been there. And you say, oh, you know, I'm coming to do this for nothing. I, I said to a lady, look, I've been doing it for 40 years. Really? <laughs> do I have to? Yes, that's the regulations. Why are those regulations here? Because a few people have done the wrong thing. Well, if a few people are getting drunk, let's arrest everybody. And blame everybody. If a few people, they need to arrest and get onto the people that have done it, not make everybody pay for the sins of others. That's what's happening today. And it's a dangerous precedent for the governments to set, but it's heading in that direction. We know where it's going. Then their nature, iniquity bounds, and the love of many grows cold. When you think of that, what church do you think of? Uh, in the Bible. <laughs> church at Ephesus in Hebrews. Revelation 2 and verse 4, we read there, <clears throat> Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. <laughs> they were doctrinally sound, but cold in heart. They'd grown cold. <clears throat> Even their natural affections had grown cold. And, and so it is. When you keep on doing right, when you keep on doing that which is godly, when you keep on holding to the truth, and this thing keeps batting at you and keeps pushing you down, you... It gets on top of you if you don't trust in the Lord to bring out his glory through your ministry. False prophets, their number and their nature, and faithful prophets, verse 13 and 14, back in the book of Romans, but they, but he that endureth to the end, the shame shall be saved. Well, <laughs> you know, in the sense that if we endure till we die, we will be saved, but... This is a verse that can be used to say, well, you can lose your salvation. Yeah, you could look at, see it and if you took it in isolation, if that's the only verse about it, yeah, we can. But it's not the only verse about it, is it? <laughs> what, what shall be against the child of God? Romans chapter 8 and read the last half of the chapter. But he that endureth the end, the same shall be saved. He's talking about the end of the period of time in which we are talking in the context here. What is it? Well, go to verse 15 when the abomination of desolation. That's in the middle of the tribulation. This is the context in which it's written. Unto the end of the tribulation. That's what I believe it's referring to here. The same shall be saved. Well, then, if you endure to the end of that terrible time, it come out at the end of the seven years still physically alive, you'll be saved to do what? To hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the millennium. Not into the joy of the, well, it's sort of the joy of the Lord, but not into heaven, but into a, a thousand years, and you're going to grow a thousand years old <laughs> and live on this earth. So that's what it's referring to here. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. The end of the tribulation will be saved to go into the millennium, into that time where the Lord blesses tremendously. Um, <clears throat> and so their endurance. Yeah, the, yeah, the end of the persecution, it will be horrific to go through and it will be amazing that some people come out believing at the end of it all. Um, <clears throat> and it's not the end of their life. It, it can refer to that, but it, in the context it's the tribulation. Shall be saved. Saved to eternal salvation and saved to enter the kingdom. Um, <clears throat> then their evangelism is seen in verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world 
for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Remember, he's answering the question. Back there in, from verse 3. What shall be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? This is what's going to happen. The gospel of the kingdom preached in all the world. <clears throat> Remember when they went out preaching the gospel of the kingdom? What, what did they do? What is different to what we do today? They, well, they went out two by two. Oh, you know somebody that does that. <laughs> I'm for security. But uh, what else did they preach at that time? What they're preaching here? Okay, the kingdom's coming. The king's here. Except the king. Uh, and they will preach that in that day. Yes, we say the king is coming. And the kingdom is coming. After the king and kingdom is coming, but after the tribulation. But we're not looking for that. We're looking for the Lord Jesus to come in rapture. <laughs> that the rest of the revelation tells us about in First Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. And it will be preached in all the world and then shall the end come. This is the greatest evangelistic effort that you ever see in the whole world. I believe right here. This is when it happens. Um, <clears throat> these preachers of the gospel of the kingdom will be fearless. They'll be branded. They'll be branded by the Lord and protected by the Lord too. They'll be um, indestructible. Would it give you more zeal to go out and proclaim the gospel of the grace of God if you were indestructible physically now it may <laughs> but we should have the zeal from the love for unsaved people as the Lord had to love for them mm. let's just notice the three groups Revelation 11 verse 3 these are the indestructible ones that will evangelize the world in the greatest evangelical effort ever undertaken <laughs> chapter Revelation was it 11 and verse 3 <clears throat> and now this is a different form of evangelism <laughs> I'll give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days that's three and a half years clothed in sackcloth and they'll be in Jerusalem doing it these are the two olive trees, two candlesticks standing before the God of the, of the earth. And it's the God, God himself of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, and we read this, when did we read this? Men's prayer time yesterday. <laughs> Fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. <laughs> Have you tried that? Dragon breathing fire, no, believing, no, we don't do that. Remember those apostles back then, the disciples back then, didn't they want to do that? Lord, do we want to burn this place up? They didn't believe, let's burn them up. Let's go to the next city and see what they'll do. Maybe they'll hear about that city. No, this is, I believe this is literal. You say, no, I've had people say, no, don't believe it. Well, do you believe the, the rest of it's literal? God is giving them that ability to do that. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. You know, the message will be 
will be accompanied with miracles performed by these two witnesses to convince the people this is real. This is not a fake. And this is God's people testifying. You, you see, the Lord at that time, it'll be more than 2,000 years and whatever else. I've, I've given you every opportunity. But the grace of God and the leniency of the Lord, not willing that any should perish, hasn't led to world evangelism. But this will lead to world evangelism where people will sit up and listen. Because what else makes them sit up? You know, when we have earthquakes or something big happen, the world starts sitting up. When God starts doing it, these things, they will sit up. Let's go back to chapter 7 and verse 3 and 8. There's only three groups we look at here. God leaves himself with a testimony in that terrible time of the end that the disciples are asking about. In verses 3 to 8 of chapter 7, saying, Hurt not the earth of revelation, neither the sea, neither the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And there's 144,000 of them sealed. In chapter 12 and verse 17 of Revelation, we read a little bit of them again. Chapter 12 and verse 17, where it reads, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed who keep the commandments of God. <laughs> this is those, I believe, who are giving testimony, the 144,000, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then we go to chapter 14 and verses 1. And I looked, and a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. They're now in heaven, and I heard a voice of heaven, and the voice like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harps harping with their harps, and they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts. And this is them in heaven. And it reads in verse 4, These are they that were not defiled with women, they are virgins. These are they who followed the Lamb wherever he goeth. They did what he wanted to do and uh, were indestructible until their ministry was finished. And they are now in heaven. They were killed and they're then there in heaven. These are the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. And then go to Revelation 14 and verses 6 and 7. Just down. And I saw another angel. Here's a third group of evangelists, if you could say. <laughs> those that disseminate the word of God and warn the world. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give him the glory, for the hour of his judgment is come. Worship him that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains of waters. So that's, I mean, how can you get away from it? <laughs> And if you divide 144,000 into 7 billion people on planet Earth, you come up with 48,611. How big's Wodonga? Wodonga, citizens over Wodonga? How many in? 40, about 40,000 in Wodonga, okay. So that's one of these evangelists to, for three and a half years to hit Wodonga, non-stop. And I don't know if they'll have radio and that at their disposal. They may have in certain situations, but that's what the average will be. And then you take out all the people that are dying, there'll be even a smaller group that each one of these minister to. Will you be able to escape the message? Isn't that showing what we spoke about this morning, the goodness of God that leadeth to repentance? That God in this terrible time of tribulation, just before he his son comes, will give the opportunity to everyone to hear the message of salvation. 
and give it to people that it cannot be destroyed so that they can't silence them for that period and pray to God that people get saved before that time well what's the result of this effort when the gospel will be preached in all the world <laughs> by these three groups and then shall the end come well it's in Revelation chapter 7 this is the result is it a fruitful ministry is it worth these people being killed for it yes <laughs> yes the number I heard of them which were uh, where are we now chapter 7 of Revelation verse 9 and after this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues and stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and about the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever amen and one said where are these all from these fellows in white these people in white robes he said so thou knowest these are they who came out of great tribulation washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb the gospel will be preached in all the world the gospel of the kingdom and then shall the end come. Praise the Lord that there will be salvation. You know, I've talked to friends, I've talked to family members who have unsaved children. And they're really, really concerned for them. And they said, well, what's going to happen to them? I just say, well, if in this, in this time they've heard it, they haven't received it, and it's just been a, a sort of a knowledge in the head, they probably have an opportunity. But if they've been heard it and they've had the Spirit pulling at their heart with real conviction and they resisted the truth and said no to the striving of the Holy Spirit, I said they probably won't get another opportunity when this time comes. I said, you know your children, you know the people you're talking about, where they're at and if they've been in that position. Because it says in Thessalonians about that, doesn't it? He will send them strong delusion and they shall believe the lie of Antichrist. So I pray that we will evangelize. You see, our job's before this. <laughs> We're still to evangelize now. We're still to tell people now. Escape for the wrath of God's coming. Flee to the cross of the Lord Jesus. Trust in him for salvation. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for these portions we can look at and understand in context, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Lord, let us be sure we do what the Bereans did and examine whether these things be so, using Scripture compared with Scripture. Bless us as we go our way and bless our testimony, the united testimony, the individual testimony of each believer here tonight as we go out to tell others about the Lord. As we distribute tracts, bless the ministry there as Andrew distributes them in Israel toward these, these uh, rebellious, hard-hearted Jewish people. May they turn to you. Lord, you only know all the outcomes of every life. Now you know it and where it's all going to end. I pray that there might be many, many saved as a result of the distribution and the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen.